name. Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise. You go ahead and have a seat. Wow. It is incredible that we believe, that we trust, that we look for God to do miracles. The Bible says, give the Lord no rest day and night. We are watchmen on the walls, and we simply cannot, cannot give up. Are y'all with me? Amen? So we press. I prayed for my little brother for 35 years, and he came to Jesus. And we prayed for years. Come on. We prayed for Ray prayed for years for my, uh, my, my daughter to be able to have a child, and they did. We can't give up. The devil wants to rob our faith. Are you with me? He wants, to, he wants us to, well, I prayed three times and God didn't move. Listen, I pound on the door of heaven every day. Are you with me? I pound on the door of heaven every day. The Bible says, ask and you shall, you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it shall be open. I mean, we are never told to ask one and walk away. We just keep going. Jesus said, it is because of the persistence of your faith. Are y'all with me? So, man, we keep, come on, we keep praying. We keep knocking. We keep believing. We don't give up. Welcome to all of our campuses in the first, uh, the last weekend of Heart for the Harvest. Now, if you missed last weekend, I just got to tell you, it really was a radical weekend. Are you with me? I mean, it's radical. It was not for the faint of heart. We really talked about what it would take to obey God in our financial lives and bring him in line with the word, and it's just radical. Let me ask you a question. Didn't Jesus call us to a radical walk? Three of you. Did Jesus call us to a radical walk? See, the problem is most of us grew up in the South, grew up in traditional church, and, and, and church is just sort of like everything else, and we sort of, you know, you know, disempowered it. We've sort of, man, we have untethered it from the Word of God. We jump up and down and say we ought to put the Ten Commandments everywhere and we ought to, we ought to read the Bible, but we don't believe the Bible so much. Are y'all with me? Man, Jesus called us to a radical walk. We talked about having to sell your house and downsize last weekend. That's nothing to line your life up with the Word of God, is it? Okay, that's a lot for some of y'all. Okay, I got it. Listen, man, we're raw and real around here. We believe every jot and tittle, and we believe. So if you missed last week, I want to challenge you to go back and get it. And it's my prayer that you came expecting this weekend. In fact, I believe that God can do so much. God can heal so many people this weekend that the only thing folks are talking about at East Tennessee all week is what God did this weekend at Faith Promise Church. That's God we serve. So I hope you came expecting, and I hope you came planning to participate in the offering that we'll give to the Lord in a little while, that you came believing God for miracles as we finish the 21 days of prayer and fasting, because some of you are saying, hallelujah, praise God, it's over. See, we're, we're re I'm really, and we're really believing God for something supernatural. So our theme verse for this year is radical when you think about it, because somehow we gloss over Scripture but if we really want to preach the gospel and people be saved, if we want to set the captives free, if we want to help see recovery of sight to the blind, if we want to see those that are deeply oppressed set free and people experience the favorable year of the Lord, that's a radical kind of deal. It requires a radical faith. Are y'all with me? A radical commitment to the Lordship of Jesus and to what God's going to do. Come on. 
And so that's really what being a promiser is all about. It is having faith in the promises. It's surrendering up to the lordship of Jesus. Man, it's believing God to do supernatural things. See, we worship a God that still saves, that still heals, that still does miracles, that still gives hope, that still shines light, that still opens doors, that still paves roads. This is the God that we serve. And so we've talked all this heart for the harvest because the offering that we're giving God, if you're new, it is how we prepare for the next move of God, the next campuses, social justice, some compassion, things that we do all come out. It's just one sacrificial offering that we bring to God every year. So if we're going to extend God's hand and expand God's heart, it's going to require us to be all in. Are you with me? See, what, what people say is, Chris, that, that's impossible. That's crazy. It's the 2080 rule. 20 people give 80% of the money. 20 people, that's just, it's just, it's just a law. So why do you keep thinking about everybody? Well, because I read the book of Acts. And the Bible says they were wholly devoted. Not a few of them, not a remnant of them. They were wholly devoted. And that's what, I, that's what I'm looking for. See, Jesus was absolutely unembarrassed to ask people for a radical commitment. Matter of fact, he said, come and die with me. Take up your electric chair and follow me daily. The rich young ruler, he said, go sell everything you have. Go ahead, Bill, last name Gates. Sell everything and come and follow me. He told people, leave your parents, leave your farms, leave your lands, leave everything and follow me, follow me. He, listen, he was unashamed. Why would we soft soak the gospel today when someone says, I'm born again, it means they're a radical follower of Jesus. Why would it be radical that people would get a smaller house so that they could tithe? Why would it be radical so that people could line their lives up around Jesus and obey the word of God? Well, that's radical, isn't it? See, listen, if, you, if you're new around here, it is not my job to tickle your ears. In fact, some of this stuff is scratchy. You say, ooh, wow. And I love when people say, well, that's that big church. They preach a soft gospel. That's only people that have never been here. <laughs> or does this make sense? And so we've looked for the last couple of weekends at King David's radical offering. He gives this huge radical offering for the construction of the temple that will be built upon his death and his son Solomon's ascension to the throne. It is the largest single offering recorded in all of the Bible. And there's some big offerings. It's incredibly sacrificial because he gave away control. He surrendered the money up to be built. He, and it was something that would happen after he was dead. It was for another generation. It was for people yet to be saved. Are you with me? We're planting campuses for people that are lost today. They're on their way to hell. We're planting campuses for them. And so David cared about the kingdom of God. So ah, it's about his son Solomon. No, he was a kingdom builder before he had kids. The Bible says David was a man after God's own heart. Does that mean David was perfect? If you believe that, you've never read about David. This guy messed up regularly. Rapid repenter, sought after the heart of God. And so he is preparing for the next great move of God, what God is going to do. So 
He's, he's finishing his last, then he's going to pray, and he's going to die, and Solomon's going to take the throne. We've been in 22, now we're flipping in chapter 29 of 1 Chronicles. Then King David said to the entire assembly, my son Solomon, who alone God has chosen, is still young and inexperienced, and the work is what? The work is what? Has God called faith promised you a great work? Are you with me? Listen, it is incredible how what God is doing in faith promise, promise is spreading across the country. It's, it's incredible. And people are getting hope that God can do what he did here at, their, at those churches. It's great work for the temple. is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now, with all my what? I hope when we leave this weekend at all of our campuses, when we leave, we could say with all my ability I've given in this heart for the hearts. With all my ability, I provided for the house of my God. Things go, go for things of gold, silver, things of silver, bronze, bronze, iron, wood, all those things, onyx stones, inlaid stones, stones of antimony, stones of various colors, all kind of precious stones, and alabaster in abundance. Moreover, listen, in my what? My what? In my delight in the house of God, he would never even see the foundation laid. The treasure I have of gold and silver I've given, I give to the house of my God over and above all that I've already provided. He's already given 6,000, 6,000 pounds of gold and 60,000 pounds of gold and so much more. And he says, uh, uh, he says by the way, I'm going to give 3,000 more talents of gold and, and go from Ophir and 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the building, gold, things gold, silver. It is for all the work done by the craftsmen, who then, by the way, is willing to consecrate themselves this day to the Lord. Who wants to be a part? David says, come on and get in here with me. The water's fine. Then the rulers of the father's household, the princes of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and hundreds, along with the overseers of the king work, offered what? Willingly. They willingly gave. Man, they were stoked about what God was going to do. For the service of the house of God, they gave 5,000 talents and 10,000 uh, derricks of gold. They gave 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of brass, 100,000 talents of iron. Whoever possessed precious stones gave them to the treasure of the house of the Lord in care of Jael, the Gershonite. Then the people, will, the people did what? Rejoice because they had what? They're worshiping and praising God because they got an opportunity to give to the next move of God. Does that sound like stingy people to y'all? No way. For they had made their offering to the Lord with their what? Wholehearted and David rejoiced greatly. So we're gonna, so David finishes that. He shortly dies. Before he dies, he anoints Solomon, king in his place. Solomon takes care of the details that David asked him to do. And then Solomon begins his work now that he's the king. And he sets out two massive building projects. One is his palace and two is the temple. He spends seven years laying the foundation for the temple because you cannot build a skyscraper church on a chicken coop foundation. Are you with me? You can't build an incredible marriage on a weak foundation. You can't build a great ministry. You can't build a great life. You can't build a great company. You can't build a great team unless you have a foundation. Are you, does this make sense? So for seven years, Solomon, matter of fact, of the people that go to Israel with me, we go down a tunnel down to the bottom 
of where the original temple was, and there's still a few of the stones left that Solomon brought in and had quarried, and they're incredible. Six feet, about five feet tall, about 20 feet long, four or five feet thick. It's just incredible, these stones, because this was going to be an incredible work for God. I believe God has given faith promise an incredible work and vision. Do y'all believe that? Man, we are going to move across the state. We are going to take the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the real love of God across this state, the gospel. I happen to believe the gospel is still good news. It's good news to me I'm not going to hell and I'm going to heaven. It's good news to me that my name's in heaven. It's good news to me that God is still alive and I am his son. So Solomon, is, he gets on the work. So we're going to flip over to 2 Chronicles. We're going to move on in chapter 6 and 7 and see the conclusion of what happens. So Solomon builds the temples 20 years after he started the foundation. The temple's built. Everybody is amassing in Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication of the new house of God. Verse 12. Then he stood, above, he stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands. Now Solomon had made a bronze platform, five cubits long, five cubits wide, three cubits high, and had sat in the midst of the court, and he stood on it, and he knelt on his knees in the presence of all the assembly of Israel, and he spread out his hands toward heaven, and he begins to pray, Lord, the God, O oh Lord, the God of Israel, there is no God like you. Amen? You are in heaven like you on heaven or in heaven or on earth, keeping the covenant, showing loving kindness to your servants who walk before you with all their, they're all in. Who has kept your servant David, my father, that which you promised him. Indeed, you have you, what you have spoken with your mouth, you have fulfilled it with your hand as it is this day. So there's Solomon praying. They're getting ready. And in the next chapter, as soon as his prayer is finished, the glory of God falls on the temple. The priests, I mean, they put it in B for boogie and everybody exits the temple because the fire and the glory of God is in there and nobody could stand to be in there. What preceded the, the glory of God? Decades of sacrifice. Decades of prayer. We see King David pray, prayers and the prophets' prayers. We see Solomon's prayer. We see people praying. We see sacrifice that they've given to build this incredible, this, this temple to God. We see faith of a generation of Israelites believing that God wanted to do something. And we see a generation that is all in, wholehearted for what God wanted to do. Man, that's why, that's why next year's theme, by the way, all in. Anybody all in with me? Come on, anybody all in? Man. So in chapter 7, verse 1 through 3, now when Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven, consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory, the Shekinah, the kabod, the weighty, fiery presence of God filled the house. The priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the house. All the sons of Israel, seeing the fire come down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, bowed down on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshiped and praised, gave praise to the Lord, saying, truly is good. He, God is good. His loving kindness is what? Man, they respond to the glory of God by falling on their face before him. 
in fear, in reverence, in awe for this holy God that had flooded. Can I tell you, this is my prayer every day for Faith Promise Church. I pray the glory of the Lord this weekend will fill every campus. I pray the glory of the Lord will fill God Behind Bars, Morgan County, and Bledsoe. I pray that God does such a work there, it spreads to every prison in America. I pray that God moves on every campus and the what's, come on, somebody, yeah, amen. And that what we do is what is talked about all over East Tennessee and across this state is that God is doing something at Faith Promise Church. It's not about Chris, it's about Christ. It's not about a staff, it's not about a strategy, it's not about multi-site, it is about the glory, the Shekinah of God flooding our hearts, filling us with the Holy Spirit. Come on, man, a baptism of God's presence and fire, signs and wonders, miracles and healings. Listen, I think we ought to write the 29th chapter of the book of Acts. You may not know, but there's only 28 chapters. We ought to write 29. Matter of fact, I believe revival's coming. I've already named it. The Great Smoky Mountain Revival. That's, come on, I already named it. So that's what we're looking for. It's what we're believing God for. So <laughs> I love this about God. This is so cool. It's so cool. Now, they have been outside. God has been basically letting the fire cleanse this brand new dedication to this temple. Look at verse 4 and 5. I love this. It's just about God. We have such a wrong view of God. It's incredible sometimes. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifice before the Lord. King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 22,000 oxen. 22, can you, do you know how much meat that is? This is the biggest barbecue on the planet. 22,000 oxen, 120,000 sheep. They had mutton for days. Thus the king and all the people dedicated the house to the Lord. They pray, the fire comes, they dedicate. They bring almost 150,000 animals, sheep and oxen. They sacrifice them before the Lord. They do the, the, the ceremonial stuff and they got barbecue pits for miles cooking and they have a party for seven days. No, no, God's somber and man, God's just, you know, got his hands crossed sort of woman. No, no, God dictates a party. In fact, if you look at the Jewish calendar, there are parties all the time. Don't work for seven days, camp out, barbecue, have a blast. Come on. Oh, no, no, God's a killjoy. No, no, your God may be. God of the Bible is a God of joy. Come on. So I've been writing a book for you, something Josh Whitehead has badgered me for years to do, and I finally, so I'm just about to put the final touches on the edit. It's not the book for next year. That book is already being printed. It is a, it is a booklet about how to really develop a spiritual growth plan in 11 disciplines. And, in, and early on, I say, man, delight yourself. The Bible, delight yourself with the law of the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. In his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand is pleasures forevermore. See, we see God as a duty. I see God as a delight. Giving this offering... It's a delight for Michelle and I. It's a delight. Come on, somebody. It's just a delight. So now after 25 years of ministry, it'll be 25 years in four months, we will, we will, we will go to downtown to the Civic Center in February. It's going to be the single biggest group we've ever had all together at one time. It's going to be incredible. We're going to celebrate 
what God has done for 25 years and the founders, and we're going to talk about what God is going to do for another 25 years. It's going to be incredible. Because here's the deal. I believe we have the favor of God on us. Do y'all believe that? We have the favor of the Lord. I believe we have God's presence with us. Now, I think God wants to enhance that. I think he wants to crank it up. But he wants us to build an atmosphere of faith. Are you with me? An atmosphere of praise and worship. Come on. See, if we really believe that God inhabited the praise of his people, we'd be here early, not late. Come on. We'd be here. We'd line up. Sort of like you do for a concert or a UT football game when they're winning. And hey, we've won some games. So, and so man, we, we've got God's presence. We have God's favor. God's given us a future. But here's the deal. It requires all of us. Not the 80-20 rule, 20%. It requires all of us. I'm asking you to step over the line and get on in here with the vision. Get on in here and believe with us for God to do something that will shake this country. That for once on the news, we won't be talking about Republicans and Democrats. We'll be talking about the power of God in his house. Come on, somebody. So let me give you three pictures of generosity, and then we're going to wrap it up. Because we talk about generosity, three things. Number one, we see the picture of Hannah, 1 Samuel. Hannah gave her first. She is barren. She's been barren for years and years. She goes to the annual feast, the annual sacrifice at Shiloh, where the tabernacle was before the temple was built. And she is weeping before the presence and the priest. Eli thought she was drunk. She said, oh, I'm brokenhearted. I'm begging God for a child. And Eli said, go and, and may the Lord prosper you and give you what you requested. And she said, if God gives me a son, I will bring him back and I will give him to service of the king of kings and lord of lords. And lo and behold, what happens? She gets pregnant and she has a son. And she brings that boy and she dedicates him to the Lord and she leaves him at Shiloh at the tabernacle. Now, we've heard that story so often, it loses its punch. Because let me, let me tell you the real deal. Let me, let me give you Hannah in the 21st century. Are you ready? Sweet couple, about 30, 35, been at, been at Faith Promise for years. For 10 years, they've been going to doctors, fertility doctors. They've been asking, begging, praying. They've been in prayer lines. They have prayed for a child, $100,000 on in vitro, and, and their prayers are answered, and they get pregnant. They carry that beautiful baby to term, and God gives them a baby boy, and then they give that child away. You feel that? See, we miss the sacrifice of Hannah we, because we don't like sacrifice that cost us something. Sacrifice, by definition, cost us something. And so she gave her first, but you know what? She knew God would give it back, and she had multiple sons and daughters. And every year she would go to the tabernacle and bring new coat for little, little Samuel who grew into the greatest prophet priest in the history of Israel. So she gave her first. We see the widow in 1 Kings 17 of Zarephath give her last. God sends Elijah during the drought to Zarephath. Said, a widow will provide for you there. He gets to town, sees a lady picking up six. He says, excuse me, ma'am, would you get me a drink of water? She said, I'd be glad to. She goes and she... And she's going, she said, by the way, would you bring me some bread, a biscuit? She said, you must not, you must be new. 
we're in a famine. I got one dab of flour, one dab of oil. I'm going to make a biscuit, eat it. Me and my son are going to die. He said, bring me the first part of that biscuit. She gave her last. And God supernaturally provided for the widow and her son until the end of the, uh, of the, end of the famine. Then Mark 12, we see the widow who gave her all. Two little copper mites, Jesus and the boys standing back at the treasury by the temple watching. And Jesus sees her in line. Of course, he knows. He watch this boy. Watch this, boys. Come here, Petey. Come here, Timmy Tom. Come here. Check this out. You're about to see an offering right here up in the house. About to watch. This little widow hunched over, sneaks in, hoping that nobody sees. Because she was going to eat a raw, she dropped two little copper mites, not the value of a penny, in and snuck off. And what she thought was an embarrassment was, in, was impressive to God. See, some of you, some of the smallest offerings that will be given this weekend will be widow's mites. It will be widows. It will be single moms or single dads, single, you know, income families who are struggling. Oh, it won't be a large amount of money, but can I tell you, I believe that there will be some widow's mites given. Others of you say, I don't have anything to give. Listen, don't be guilty. God never asks you to give what you don't have. Be ready next year. you got 52 weekends. Amen. 52 weekends. So we see the first offering, we see the, we see the last offering, and we see the offering of the all, but the greatest offering was Jesus. Campus pastors, and there's some people ready at your campus, give their heart to Jesus, and then lead your campus as we bring our heart for the harvest at all of our campuses. We love you. All right, online, God behind bars in Pellissippi, if you're ready to receive the gift of salvation, the outflow of the greatest offering ever given. See, God didn't send an angel. Come on. God didn't send his last. God sent his best to die for us, to pay for our sins. If you're ready to receive him and confess him as your Lord and begin to follow him, he's ready. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, we're going to pray this simple prayer. We're going to pray it out loud, so just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. We're separated Forgive me. I receive your gift. By faith, I confess you as my Lord. I will follow you. I will live for you forever. Now the heads bowed and eyes closed. If you prayed that simple prayer, me just slip your hand up and say, hey, Pastor, I just want you to know I prayed that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Anybody else got you? Come on. Hold them up high. Hold them up till somebody puts something in your hand right here. Hold them up high until somebody puts something in your hand. Hold them up. Hold them up. There you go. All right, look up here. There are people across this campus and campuses that just gave their heart to Jesus as a result of what he did. Come on, somebody. Listen, the angels. The angels party when one person gets saved. Listen, let's wear some angels out dancing in heaven for all the people to get saved at Faith Promise Church. Come on. So if you just prayed that prayer with me, if you'll fill this card out, check the circle. I'm making a decision to follow Jesus, the second circle. I need to be baptized. Drop down the offering bucket. Guess if you'll drop those. And again, the, if you have not been to Next Steps, you can go after this service. Uh, there's child care. Stick around and go you, at 11, during the 1130 service. But if you can this weekend, just just do check the third circle. I'd like to attend next.
steps. All right, has it been good to be in the house of God? Come on, somebody. So we're about to bring our offerings to the Lord. And I'm so grateful for promisers. Some of you have been sacrificing and saving all year. We're, we were discussing before the service what my son Michael who's on staff, he enjoyed. They, they actually give every week toward Heart for the Harvest and they build it up all year long. I don't know what God's led you to do, but I pray that you would bring your best. Amen? Come on, it's what Michelle and I are gonna do. We're gonna bring our best. Just wanna give to God. We love to give to God. God loves a cheerful giver. Amen? Amen? 